When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I am here again with Riley. And if you listen to our last episode, which we haven't quite decided what we're going to call it because it hasn't been published yet, but something along the lines of kids rising above and surviving trauma. And you heard a powerful story of a very strong and resilient 15 year old named Riley, who has come such a long way after trauma, addiction, and she now wants to find ways to use her story and her trauma to help other people. And she calls it building off of her trauma. So I want to read a couple of quotes from Riley and then let her just kind of add to that. Um, She told me at one point, I wish I could tell my younger self everything I know now. And she talked about what they call inner child work. And I said, Riley, how do you know about inner child work? Because I haven't used that phrase with her um, in therapy. And I have been working with her for a little over two and a half years. And she said that she loves researching psychological topics and trying to understand her past and have a healthier future because of that. And she believes there's a positive side to trauma and She, you said that you believe that all of people's trauma helps them figure out who they are and help them become a wiser person. And she wants to be a therapist when she grows up and work with kids that have trauma and help them cope and learn healthy coping. And she also wants to work with adults and parents on a topic called gentle parenting. Um, Last thing I'll say Um, is that she said she could build off of her trauma into teaching that to other people. And she loves helping people. And that's why she really wants to be a therapist. And she finds it extremely rewarding to research these topics. So I almost think she has like a year of psychology training under her belt already at age 15, a sophomore, a rising sophomore in high school. So where do you want to start with all that, Riley? (laughs) Um, I think I want to first talk about just genuinely like just childhood trauma in the background of it. Uh Um, Because as I said in the last podcast is that when I was younger, I did have a lot of childhood trauma that I had to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, And going through that is difficult because now I still do have some of those elements that are still with me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've realized that over time, building off of it is one of the most helpful things that I think I've ever done. Mm. Because when I was younger, again, I used to take my emotions and bottle them up kind of. Mm -hmm. So now when I'm older, I don't really necessarily feel happy and or giddy or excited or anything like that. But being able to help people um, and reference back to trauma that I've had Mm -hmm. helps me like helps me feel like a better person and it makes me feel happy and makes me feel like 
a genuine human again. And I don't feel like a robot Mm. all the time. Wow. So it makes you feel like a genuine human instead of a robot. Can you say more about that? Yeah. So I never really had like really big. I wasn't really big with emotions Mm -hmm. um, because I do have a difficult time with emotions and not just like myself, but with other people, like it's really hard to identify some emotions sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I've realized over time is that most of that came from the fact that I bottled up most of my emotions when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And so now that I'm able to like look back at it and see it, I'm like, yeah, okay, I was definitely a robot because I barely had any emotion. Mm-hmm. Like I had very little emotion come out of me and I still do sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I do have a wave of emotion sometimes. It could be like a tsunami of emotions mm. and it's just like all emotions at once. Mm-hmm. And then I get like really like overstimulated and I like textures and everything like that becomes really weird. Mm. But when I was able to help people and when I'm able to help people, I f- genuinely feel like a like a human and I feel like I have emotions and I get really excited when I'm able to help people wow. and I feel really happy because I feel like I can do something to like help and change the way that some people are dealing with their trauma. That's amazing. So it almost helps you make sense of your past by saying everything I went through, all the suffering I went through for 10 years, 15 years, however long you want to say it was years and years and years. If there was a reason for it, or if good can come out of it, then it helps me kind of rewrite the narrative of my childhood. Like this is bringing good in the world Mm -hmm. and it's making me feel happier too. Being able to help people with not just like chi- like their inner child, mm-hmm. but just helping people with their trauma in general has helped me become like genuinely feel emotions mm-hmm. like I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to like tell like and say that like even though that I like my inner child is still being worked on because. Mm-hmm. I still have so much that I have I did not do as a child. And I mm-hmm. like I still watch cartoons and Aww. and like TV shows that I used to watch when I was younger because that's what helped me and that's what's helping me become like have that like not relive my childhood mm-hmm. and make it better but to just improve my inner child because obviously I can't go back and just relive it but mm-hmm. I can improve it and make sure that it like my inner child is not completely just sad and upset because as most people with trauma, like a lot of people who have had trauma when they were younger, that branches off into other mental disorders. Mm -hmm. um, And it's usually because their inner child was hurt. Mm hmm. Yeah. So can you explain for those who've never heard the concept of an inner child and inner child work? Can you kind of explain what you've read? Um, From what I've read about, because I don't know a specific like standpoint about what it is. Mm-hmm. From what I know, it's basically the part of you that never got that childhood that it that they wanted. Mm-hmm. So basically saying like if someone with trauma when they were younger, they had to like raise their mother 
Mm-hmm. And they had to parent their mom. Mm-hmm. They were never really necessarily nurtured and yeah. they weren't really babied or anything like that as a child. See, that part of it becomes a little bubble mm-hmm. in like in, I guess, somebody's brain because I am mature. But that little bubble of like just inner child is brings out a sense of like immaturity mm-hmm. that. I think a lot of people with trauma have. Yes. And we go, we call that arrested development, sort of where their maturity stops or their growth stops. And they might get frozen in time at age 10, like if, you know, their parents were killed in a plane crash at age 10 or their their father left or something drastic changed. And sometimes it's not a sudden drastic loss. It's more just a chronic over time, a recurring loss. Um, But yeah, that little kind of looking at little Riley when she was five, when she was four, when she was six, um, that, you know, had to be watching for her mom being this needless, wantless, perfect child that asked for nothing that felt like a burden to have normal needs. And to say that Riley never got to just sit watching cartoons on Saturday morning without worrying about if mom was drunk or if mom was mad or dad was whatever, depending on whoever you are, just what were you worried about? What wasn't safe? Um, So looking at that wounded child or that young version of yourself and trying to figure out what work needs to happen to help heal that, help acknowledge those losses. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lot of thoughts as a child. mm -hmm. Like I usually kept them to myself for the Mm -hmm. most part. But healing that inner child really does help a lot with with trauma. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to this, like whether it's a lot, they they lost a parent or they lost both their parents or something like that. They can still have an inner child. Mm -hmm. It's not just prone to people who have like alcoholic parents or parents who have like abused them. It can happen with literally any sort of situation, mm-hmm. but basically finding what mindset your inner child is in helps a lot hmm. because I started thinking about it and I was like, what mindset was, is my inner child? Mm-hmm. Like what age did I start having trauma? And that's kind of what I pinpoint pointed it to. So basically hmm. saying like, I ha- I started having a little bit, I started getting trauma when I was about five or six. Mm-hmm. So in that, sp- light, in that span, this little like bubble that I have of like. Positive memories? Trauma. Oh, like, trauma. This so is a like, trauma bubble. Yeah. Like this little trauma bubble of like inner child, mm-hmm. um, this little bubble of my inner child, mm-hmm. I would stick like an age on it. So I didn't have to like be like, oh, well, if it's like something like if it's like an older part of me, then I don't have to continually watch kin show, kid shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But since my inner since I my inner child, like I feel like I stamped an age on it mm-hmm. because I didn't want to like. I didn't want to just be like going experimenting around with different things like, oh, I could watch a show from when I was like really young mm-hmm. or I could start watching a show from like this like certain point because mm-hmm. I know about it. So like basically when I was about six, I started watching a show that I really loved. And that's also kind of started when my trauma started to like genuinely 
like develop. Mm-hmm. And so I would start watching that show like now so I can help that like kind of heal without um, like helping my inner child heal because when I would watch that show, I would get interrupted by my mom like being drunk or like throwing mm-hmm. up in the bathroom or something like mm-hmm. that. But being able to watch it with no noise or any distractions, it's like a moment of like bliss of just like, wow. Like wow. I can I can genuinely help myself. Wow, so you can kind of rewrite that history in a way or not the history but the associations with that cartoon were kind of bogged down or corrupted by traumatic memories in the background of Mm -hmm. a painful time in your life but now that you're safe and you're healthier and happier you can watch the same cartoons and it Mm -hmm. sort of feels like a reparative experience after maturing a uh-huh. lot because I'm a lot more mentally mature than a lot of people that I do know. Mm-hmm. So I feel like mostly it mostly depends on your mental maturity. I don't really think it depends on age mm-hmm. because there can there can be like a 26 year old that could be way more immature than I am. Oh, yeah. hundred percent or something like that. So I think it really depends on mental maturity. Yes. But after being able to like genuinely mature as a human and being able to like help my like being so mature to the point where I could help my inner child Mm -hmm. and also help my trauma that I'm dealing with now. It's kind of like a balance between the two and it really helps. Yeah, that's a perfect segue into something I wanted to bring up. And I'm curious how this might have helped you before or now. And I don't even know if you and I have ever talked about this, but sometimes when I have you know, kids or adults, it doesn't matter. You know, um, you could work through your childhood trauma when you're 10 or when you're 30 or when you're 80 or never. And some people are still dealing with trying to make sense of a really toxic relationship with their parent or, you know, anyone, but today we're focusing more on the parents. And so what I tell them sometimes to think about is how old maturity wise, do you feel like your parent is? Mm -hmm. or was. And if, you know, if your father, let's just say when you were 10, let's just say somebody had a father who was 28 and he had them when he was 18. And, you know, when they are disrespectful, instead of them saying you're being disrespectful, you're going to go in timeout. If you do that again, they say, I hate you. You're the dumbest kid ever, you know, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, you're 28. You know, mm-hmm. and 50 year olds can say that, too. You know, it, just like you said, age is really relative. It's a number and emotional maturity does not parallel your actual age as you know, you're a case in point. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I ask, you know, clients to think of what emotional maturity age would you give your parents? And then what role would you give your parents? Are they acting like a father or a mother? Are they acting like your child Are they acting like your sister? Are they acting like a coach? Are they acting like some probation officer, judge, teacher? You know, sometimes people are very rigid, strict parents that don't care about their emotions. And they're almost more of like an authority figure, but no relationship figure, you Mm -hmm. know? So I feel like having a parental bond is really like... Like it, it needs to happen, in mm-hmm. my opinion, because mm-hmm. as much as my mom was not there for me for most of my life, I still have a bond with her as if she's like my sister. Mm-hmm. And I feel like most parents 
when they're dealing with addiction or anything like that and they have a child, they they are going to feel lost. Like mm-hmm. at one point they're going to feel lost, angry, mad, whatever. And then they are going to scream and take it out on their child mm-hmm. or their significant other because they literally cannot do anything about it. Mm. You know, what's interesting, and I don't know if you've come across this and the research you've been thriving on online, but I have heard um, third hand about some of the literature that says that alcoholism produces like a thinking disorder that's characterized by immaturity and selfishness. And I always forget the third piece. It might have been impulsivity. But, you know, when you think about this, like, you know, addictions, I'm sure many addictions besides just alcohol addiction and substance, but they they actually change the shape of your brain. They shift your brain. Mm-hmm. And when it's really severe, um, sometimes the recovery of your brain takes up to like seven years to mm-hmm. recover. I can definitely see where that's coming from because a lot of the alcoholics that I've met, um, my mother has a lot of friends that were alcoholics mm-hmm. and are still alcoholics. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely see where that's coming from because of the maturity of them. Mm-hmm. Because I mostly focus on body language. I don't usually focus on the way that people speak or like what they think. Mm-hmm. I usually focus on body language. Mm. And I've seen a lot of them do genuinely act more immaturely than others. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah, you probably feel like a, a an expert on alcoholic behavior from your early from your childhood Um, yeah I know that a lot of alcoholic parents and a lot of people who like just any parent in mm -hmm. general if they're angry at their kid Mm -hmm. sometimes they will yell I know a lot of parents that won't yell Mm -hmm. um but they're the majority of people or majority of parents that I know would go to serious limits to be angry and upset at their child and do all of this other stuff for doing something wrong Mm mm-hmm In my opinion, I think that, like, let's say somebody sneaks out Mm -hmm. of the house or whatever, okay? And they have, like, and, like, this is why I say because I've experienced this. I snuck out one time and I got caught. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember having a conversation with my grandmother. She didn't yell. Mm -hmm. She did not yell. All she did was tell me, like, hey, like, if you wanted to do this, you could have literally just told me. <laughs> and so I knew where you were. And I feel like that is the most important thing mm-hmm. is that most parents, if if a kid does something wrong, they will, they will yell mm-hmm. to get their point across. And as much as I think that that would help, um, I don't think that it is as helpful as just sitting them down and talking and be like, hey, I get that you want to do this, but I need to make sure that you are safe first yes. because I genuinely like validate you as a, as a human being and I want you to be safe and I love you and do all of that stuff. That's reassuring. Yeah. That gives a child, the child, like a mental vision of like, Hey, they genuinely care about me. Maybe I shouldn't do this because I've heard a lot of sayings of like, strict parents raise sneaky kids that is Mm. true because Mm -hmm. my grandmother when she was raising my mom um they were she was very strict so my mom would sneak out all the time and then look where that got her right and now since my grandmother has not been as like strict or anything like that and she raised me Mm -hmm. this is where i am now Mm -hmm. Literally sitting here like on a podcast, Mm -hmm. like talking about this. Exactly. It's kind of like 
a really big thing for Case somebody my point. age. It is a really big thing. And I'm glad you see that. It takes so much courage to do this. And it's so wonderful that you're willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you bring up a really great point. I love that saying strict parents raise sneaky kids. And, you know, if parents are too like a friend, they're not giving you the boundaries, which are very reassuring. I love that word you used. Kids really do deep down want a sense of boundaries and some control and some rules and some structure. But if you're too boundary ruled, you know, you're like a Mm -hmm. probation officer. If you're too friendly and just like casual and laid back and let your kids do whatever they want, those kids are going to be kind of wild. I think of it as there needs to be structure, but there also needs to be freedom. Yes. Because especially like in any household where a parent has been screaming and or yelling and threatening things, Mm -hmm. you are literally going to get nowhere other than your child is going to either dislike you or your child is going to basically either disown you as mm-hmm. their parent or they're they're going to like go against that yes. and they're going to scream back because they're so sick of you screaming over and over at them mm-hmm. and it's difficult because I've been screamed at multiple times mm-hmm. and I know how it feels and I feel like if people took a more like chill route to it I feel like there could be a little bit more of something there because you're not just screaming at your child all the time. Yes, that is going to be one of my next episodes is going to be on assertiveness. And I've been trying to get this one out there for a few months, but just kind of that balance between don't be a doormat, don't be passive, don't be yelling and screaming and say horrible things. That's aggressive. But right in the middle, speaking the truth in love, kind of like what we talked about earlier in the last episode was, you know, just being clear and and getting your point across. Um, So can you share a little bit about the gentle parenting stuff Mm -hmm. that you're excited about? So I'm really, I know that gentle parenting has been a thing for a little bit, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't really notice it Mm -hmm. because when I was younger, like I was spanked. I had soap in my mouth multiple times, all this (laughs) other stuff. Um, cause I, I talked back, but in a sense of like every single time I'd hear like this spoon on the pot or anything like that, because I was spanked with a spoon, like a wooden spoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got in trouble, my grandmother would hit it on the pot mm-hmm. and I would instantly, like my heart would drop mm. and I would just like instantly get that sudden, like, Oh no, like I know it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that never really helped anything. It more developed more issues than Mm -hmm. it did help. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also feel like a lot of people, especially with parents of kids who have autism, gentle parenting is one of the best things that I think anybody could do Mm. is raising your child as with a not screaming voice because they're going to see that as discipline. Mm -hmm. But um, like, let's say you screamed at your child when they were younger and then now you're just trying to try and uh gentle parenting Mm -hmm. it's going to be really hard at first but if you genuinely start getting a bond with your child that you did not have when they were younger getting that bond makes everything so much easier Mm -hmm. because i started getting a bond with my grandmother and she'd be like hey can you like clean your room and all this other stuff and i'm like yes i will but i also have to tell her i'm like yes i will do this but i'm i'm right now i'm just not really okay with that. Like I'm not in the 
I'm not ready to clean my room. Um, and I also feel like a lot of parents, if their child is being over, like obnoxious or anything like that, like I feel like you should just genuinely, like if they're a teenager or a child, sit down with them and talk to them about it instead of screaming. Of course, exactly. Because being able to look them in their eyes and just say in like kind of a stern voice, but not so much, being like, hey, like I really love you. And some of the stuff that you've been doing is really endangering you Mm -hmm. as a human being. And I want you to know that it's kind of like it's more reassuring. Yes. um, To them. And it makes them think that you don't hate them. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just being firm, but kind and, you know, respectful and all that. But you have to be clear. You have to have boundaries. And I do think that most parents for sure, even I as a parent have been surprised at how impatient I get, how short I can get with my kids. And it's like, really, if you can just stay calm and be firm, Mm -hmm. but yet kind you know they will if if you do that they will mostly see you as a parental figure mm-hmm. and as like a tree basically for them hmm. so because then you're you're grounded you're wow. grounded and you know how to genuinely work with your emotions and they're going to look up to you for that and they're going to become a better person in general in my opinion oh i love that yeah like a tree for them that's such an amazing image and you know i think It's interesting to think about even kids just really, really want their parents to be their best self. Mm -hmm. You know, we we know that parents should want their kids to be the best version of themselves that they could be. But I think sometimes we forget that kids are rooting for their own parents, just like you've shown with your mom. I just want you to get therapy and to be your best self like you have talents, you have great qualities, but you're not bringing the best out in yourself when you have an addiction and you have unaddressed issues, you know? And I feel very lucky because of, because I got my grandmother, Mm -hmm. um, because I do know a lot of kids where their parents will talk to them about like, oh, I want you to be your best self. So you have to get straight A's. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, like, let me break this down because a parent, most parents that I know, especially at CCS, like at mm-hmm. my school, it's like mm-hmm. completely just everywhere. Um, they will strive for their kids to be the best that they quote unquote can mm. be. And sometimes they aren't going to be that great. Like some parents will freak out if some kid gets like a B or something like yeah. that. And it's it's upsetting because I'm so, and, and it makes me realize that I'm so lucky to have my grandmother because she's like, as long as you get like a C above or anything like that, I am completely fine. Mm. And that makes me strive to be better because even though like if I get like an A in one of my classes, she is going to and I know that she's going to be there to be really excited for me because I've never been at that level before. Mm. I love that. See, you're um, you're starting to get me all excited about a whole new topic. I'm trying to rein myself in, but <laughs> I do just love the idea that parents are always just thinking, I want my kids to be healthy and their best version of themselves, but also happy. And your kids are not pawns in your game of life. Your kids are there to just be human. And I like to try to say, hey, if you're responsible and you do, you know, pretty much the best you can and you're responsible. If you make a B or a C in something and you've been responsible, then that's just good information to have. Like mm-hmm. math is not my thing. Spanish is not my thing. It really Writing shows papers. people. Yeah. Like it shows people weak, their yeah. weak points. Yeah. Like, um, 
A lot of people that I know about um, who, like, in me, just in general, like, I thought I was completely hopeless when it came to elementary school because my elementary school was not the greatest math-wise. Like, you were hopeless about your academic ability? Yes, <laughs> yes I was, because I thought I was never going to be good at math. Ah. And then I and then I got into sixth grade at my the school that I go to now, mm-hmm. and I, I was like, wow, like, this is, like, a whole new thing, and they make me understand what is going on. Amazing. They and were really good at teaching. I loved it, and my grandmother was really excited for me, and I was really excited, and I feel like a lot of parents, like, they don't realize that their child is, like, still a child, mm-hmm. because even though that they're a teenager and stuff like that, and they may be, like, in middle school, being excited for them for doing something good is literally the most reassuring and best thing that I think I have ever experienced. Ooh, I love that word for being excited for them. That is one of the key things is because sometimes parents and grandparents like live vicariously and they make it about them. Like mm-hmm. I always wanted to be an actor, always wanted to be a star in the football team. And so they force their kid to do something to make them sort of relive their life or to make them feel happy and good instead of what do you enjoy? You know, um, my son asked me recently, like, do you think I should play soccer in college? He's, he's just starting his 11th grade year. And I said, I don't know if, if you would enjoy it, do it, but Mm -hmm. I want you to enjoy your college experience. If you go to college and I want you to, um, not have to be spending that much time a week because college athletics are so intense. And I said, if it would really take away from you enjoying your life there, then I wouldn't do it. But if you would enjoy it, do it. Like, it's not about Mm -hmm. me. It's about you. Mm -hmm. And I think most parents, they try to build off their child. So basically they try to make the child, their children or child into the child that they never got to be. Yeah. They latch on. Yeah. And then they get really just obsessive with it. And then it gets like out of hand. Yeah. But I, in my opinion, I think that if your child is like wanting to experiment with like a new style or anything like that, I would support it because Mm -hmm. there is no reason why you should be really outhand like, oh, like this is, this is bad and all of this other stuff. I would be like, you need to do what you feel is best. Right. And if you, and if a parent judges their their child on something that's superficial like you know I don't like the way you dress I don't like the way you got your hair cut you're not dressing fancy enough you're not dressing girly enough or you're too wearing too much this or that there are obviously some rules that parents should set I mean I do think there can be inappropriate mm-hmm. dress and things like that but in general, I think that that can make kids feel like an object and like their parents care more about their own personal image as their as a parent and how they look instead of like, you know, this makes me happy. Um, sometimes I would wear like when I was near your age, I would wear thrift store clothes or I would wear sometimes like boys, men's shirts. And my mom would, I do. <laughs> she would be like, that's not very flattering. Don't wear that. And she wasn't horrible about it, but she definitely would kind of make little comments like, Oh, that doesn't look good on you. Or I don't, I wish you wouldn't wear that. Mm-hmm. And again, it was a minor issue in my life, but I've seen it be a major issue. I've had clients literally in here because their mother wouldn't accept the way they dressed or didn't want, mm-hmm. she didn't like their style. And so I agree with you a hundred percent. It's really depressing to watch because 
watching parents like over time my grandmother just kind of got used to it and started Mm -hmm. supporting me for what i wanted to do and Mm -hmm. for what i and how i dress Mm -hmm. because obviously how i dress is not genuinely like the most basic way of dressing Mm -hmm. but it's the way that i feel most comfortable in Mm -hmm. and over time my grand my grandmother started feeling like we went dress shopping for a dress like a few months ago and I know that a lot of parents would be like, oh, well, that makes your stomach stick out or something mm-hmm. like that. If they feel comfortable yes. in that dress or they feel comfortable in that, let them wear it. Yes. Because they're going to be able to feel confident in themselves. And that's what most people should exactly. want. Like if they feel healthy and happy in those cl- that clothing, then let them wear it, you know. Mm-hmm. And don't make it about you. Like, think about it for them. Are you playing the sport for you? Are you, um, you know, are you worried about your grades for you? Or are you worried about your grades for your parents? Because Mm -hmm. this is your life. It's not your parents' life. It's your life. And if it's a mistake, you can make a mistake. If somebody wants to wear, if a girl wants to wear pants to their prom, then let them do it. If that feels happy and healthy for them, if it's a mistake, they're going to be the one that regrets it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I want to do, I do want to talk about this because I've been really, I've always been really insecure of my body Mm -hmm. and how I've built because I have a big, I have a wider rib cage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I would have never noticed. So (laughs) I have like, so I have a certain style that I wear which is mostly like the crop tops that I wear are usually kind of skin tight in a way. And uh-huh. I usually wear baggier pants. So my rib cage doesn't look as wide as it is, but I can tell because of the way that my body is shaped, obviously. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother... <laughs> I'm sorry. You were so tiny to me, but it's just cracking me up. I've got to stop laughing at this. I should specify it's wide in the way of like my body type. Basically. Okay. Okay. So like most people, they, if you ever have like looked in the mirror or something like that, you will be able to see little critiques that nobody yes. else will understand. Yes. Yes. And I feel like a lot of people and a lot of parents like coming from somebody who had a parent who did this was, it was kind of like upsetting because I've always been kind of insecure of my body. So your parent did this to themselves and critiqued themselves or they critiqued you? They critiqued me. Okay. So basically, um, and then I also had really big signs of anorexia and stuff like that Mm. when I was younger. But, um, and I've grown to realize that now my grand, my grandmother never really saw it, but I did. Mm -hmm. Um, but when people would like comment or parents comment about their child's body, it mm-hmm. can make them, it can make said child feel very insecure about yes. the way that they're built. But in that way, I feel like you should embrace who they are. Like mm-hmm. if a parent is like, oh, well, you're getting a little overweight and all this other stuff. Never say that to a child because that is literally crushing. Oh yeah. Because then they're going to think about that. But like, think about it as like all bodies are like all bodies are genuinely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And oh, I love that. Just basically trying to like, you can help them, but I would say based off of their body shape, try and find stuff that looks flattering on them instead of letting, um, like you can let them pick out clothes and stuff like that and like, let them do that. Mm-hmm. And if they don't think it looks flattering, then they don't have to wear it. Right. But like, if you pick something out and it doesn't look flattering on them and then you complain about it, then you're going to seem like a really bad person because mm-hmm. you're crushing your child's like whole ego. Mm. And having an having an ego isn't like the best thing, obviously, kind of in a way. Mm-hmm. But being able to be confident in yourself is so like 
it's it's it feels nice it feels mm-hmm. nice to feel confident in yourself after a while because after a few months like i've realized that i'm kind of starting to get more confident in the way that i dress and the way that i am um mm. and i feel like a lot of parents just will comment about somebody's about like their thighs being too small or mm-hmm. like their stomach being too big and it's like why focus on that yeah. when you can focus on the fact that this is your child mm-hmm. that you raised and that they are beautiful and they should be beautiful in your eyes no matter what happens mm. well you know the other cheesy analogy that i love to use so fits you is sometimes i feel like here in therapy i'm sitting here watching a flower bloom Mm -hmm. And as I'm sitting here listening to all your wisdom and hearing you describe you coming into your own, you making peace with your past, rising above all your trauma. And I know it's a process. It's an ongoing process. It's not ever fully finished. I think, you know, none of our demons and traumas are probably ever fully, fully done in this life. But just seeing you learn to value yourself, be more comfortable in your own skin And wanting to help other people, it just literally is like watching a flower bloom. Mm -hmm. And I love that you want to do this kind of work when you're grown up and you're already helping your friends now to try to help them recover from things and to bloom into their best selves. So um, anyway, I feel like we could go on about five different topics, (laughs) but maybe a good place to end would be what advice would you what words would you like to say to the little Riley? Like when you said something recently, like, I just wish I could help the younger Riley know what I know now. So what advice would you give to the little Riley? And I'm assuming that that advice would also really relate to listeners who've been through Mm -hmm. trauma. I would definitely, if I could go back in time and I could tell myself literally anything I would basically give the knowledge that I know now Mm -hmm. because now that I'm aware of like everything that's happened in the world and I'm like not covered at all, really, I would not covered at all, like not sugarcoated in the way of like being stuck in a house and like, oh, it's all dandelions and fairies and stuff like that. Ah. It's like if I could go back and I could say something, I would tell myself that reality is hard like Mm -hmm. reality is genuinely difficult and it genuinely hurts but I know and I can trust in you to be able to help yourself and you will be able to get through it Mm -hmm. and that's for like not just me as a little as little me but also listeners as well like you at one point you were going to feel like a genuine like puddle of just depression Mm. but at some point you can rise from it you sometimes it may just happen and sometimes you may have to do it yourself and doing it yourself is sometimes obviously the better decision because you can learn from it Mm. that is beautiful and incredible and i agree a thousand percent reality is really hard but you can get through it. You can trust yourself. I trust myself Mm -hmm. and I can bring good things out of this. And I know that I'll get through this and it's, it's happening for a reason and good will come from it. Mm -hmm. And even though I'm like only technically like talking about my little self, I also do trust in a lot of listeners that they will be able to 
come over a lot of trauma that they might have may have been going through recently mm-hmm. and maybe those hard times because over time that can it does become damaging but being able to triumph over it and become like a better person and learn more is so good for other people because they can also learn from you mm. and i feel that if people do feel lost in my in like in my way of working mm-hmm. i kind of think of it as like if you were like trapped in like this maze of like depression and stuff like that you can obviously find people to help you mm-hmm. and you can find that little light that little candle mm. to help you through this little dark maze that you have wow and that dark maze whether it be a therapist a friend or whatever that can help so much and it can open so many new doors And in my opinion, I say, like, take every opportunity that you can, because at some point it's going to it's not going to backfire on you for the most part. If you do something that you genuinely love doing and you open that door, it's going to open a door of more opportunities to things that you love. Mm. Well, this is so incredible. And I know this is going to help people because there's so many individuals out there suffering from, you know, trauma, pain, neglect, heartbreak. And if they just knew that someone like you could rise above everything you've been through and just be so healthy. I mean, you at 15 are healthier than so many people that I know who are 60 and 70 and 80 years old. So, um, the sooner you can get healthy, um, for yourself, the better. And then you can do more to help the world and use all your gifts to help the world. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been incredible. Thank you so, so much for sharing everything with us today. Thank you for having me. This was like a really eye-opening experience. Well, you're going to open a lot of people's eyes. So I'm glad it was helpful for you too, but I know it's going to be really helpful for others. So thank you. Thank <laughs> you.